the Protect Your Net Podcast, UFC 244 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. is up you savages this is the protect connect podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst is where you can find over at mmajunkie.com and on this year program the protect connect podcast we break down high level mma that's what i'm gonna do here today tonight whenever you listen to this before hopefully it's before the fight uh, i'm recording this here on a thursday night i was gonna try to do it earlier this afternoon if not in the a.m but um uh, as many of you saw, thank you very much. Won't spend too much time. Just want to acknowledge those of you uh, th- uh, wishing me well, and, because I, I am I am in fact fine. I just tweeted out the podcast was going to be late. Almost went to emergency last night, but I'm like, ah, fuck it. If I die, I die. I'm going to roll the dice. I don't need a big, I don't need a big bill here going uh, going after urgent care hours. And uh, and yeah, I'm okay. Uh, I mean, not not sure what it is, but uh, just. Just been having some some uh, trouble just on the left side there, the left lung. Sometimes some pain around that area. Not like numb, like I'm going on a heart attack. But yeah, they ran all the signs, so no pulmonary uh, pulmonary embolisms or you know um, anything like that. Anything anything sinister. I'm gonna be okay, so I just want to push through here because um, I really do want to talk about these fights. People are like, hey, what, dude, relax. You know, we we don't need the podcast. We'll still be here, and I appreciate the shit out of those comments. They made me smile, and I, I really appreciate you guys. I really, really thankful for y'all. But at the same time, the workhorse gonna work. Uh, stubborn gonna be stubborn, and uh, that's what I'm gonna do. But again, I want to talk about these fights. It's it's, it's really fun. Um, really fun ones headed our way. And I'm just going to breeze, breeze, absolutely breeze through the results. So hopefully I don't have to timestamp it. But in case you're not familiar, yes, in the show notes, you can always timestamp uh, or see where I timestamp that is uh, for the start of the breakdown is. Of course, if you're running even shorter on time or really don't want to listen to me, which I don't blame you, you can always just fast forward to the end of picks and plays. Capiche? Capiche. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, not, not really too many topics to cover, nor, nor do I want to cover at this point of the week. You should be all caught up with the news and notes, but yes, and especially the results from last week, which again, uh, Bellator 231 and 232, all I'm going to say there for, for, for the recap of those, I wrote in my notes is Lima and 50 Cent. I guess that's to say, I'm like, you know, sometimes I, well, not sometimes, all the time, and really more than I should, I should, I always look back and go, God, what the fuck did I just say to my audience? How much did you out yourself as a... That's a lunatic, Dan. How how many inappropriate things did you say? And the list goes on. You guys get it, especially you long-time listeners. One of them was like, did I really have to go there with the whole gesturing, with the, the whole bottle of Chem de Chemdois and, like, money shotting over, like, Douglas Lima and all that shit? Like, 
But what was the image that left from that that Bellator weekend there, folks? What was the image getting blasted around and even on the DAZN or the Bellator app? It was uh, all these different angles even of 50 Cent getting, you know, you know real foamy bottle, real, real foamy spray he got going there with that Lachem Uh I'm sure 50 Cent has had a lot of practice and uh, dousing poor Douglas Lima. You know, my perversions aside, which, again, I, I, I do wonder how many of you, because, you know, I, I know the nicknames can kind of get... Um, can kind of get catchy, uh, but I do wonder how many of you will, will will you know listen to too much of me and will catch yourself your head going into bad places, going God damn it, Dan. Like for example, my co-host goes with he would be like, dude, I, I, you ruined me. Now I just I always picture you doing your creepy head nod whenever someone says something uh, sexual and it's not even meant sexual because that's just how I am. But uh, that aside, I was actually more worried about Douglas Lima's check because I'm like, he's soaking that goddamn check with his Lashem for, for his gimmick. Like, yo, your gimmick is not going to soak my million dollars, sir. Anyways, grads to Douglas Lima. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the rest of the card from memory. Um, went seven and four in picks overall at UFC Singapore. Of course, we had Damian Maya defeating Ben Askren, which was awesome. I was hoping I was wrong. But, yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those hindsight things in 2020. And it's not that any of the things that anyone's saying aren't true. It's just it's just so cruel, uh, and so much of it's unfair a lot of the times. And I'm not saying toward Ben Askren or free to feel bad for Ben Askren. That's not what I'm saying at all here, folks. I'm just saying in general with MMA, we're so fickle, and that's part of fans being fickle that we all kind of complain about. Um, so even if something seems kind of right, I don't really want to dogpile on any of the. Ben Askren bashing, but yeah, I guess, you know, I do kind of feel, you know, I'm like, man, did I really pick him all three of those times? You know, and, and, but in hindsight, everything looks looks kind of uh, kind of crazy. And, and Damian Maia, to his credit, I mean, it was his adjustments, adjusting his game and showing that he could still kind of play that young man scramble game as far as, you know, hitting omoplatas, scrambling off of omoplatas and stuff and like that. I mean, that was just sick. Um, good on Maya. Uh, it's crazy. I feel like we've been watching him waddle like a, broken down penguin you know since like 2014 and 2013 and shit uh, with lincoln park blaring in the background yeah here he is still strangling people stevie ray defeated michael johnson um i had it for michael johnson but i mean i can't be mad at that especially with the way that you really could argue that 10-8 there for it to be a draw um maybe that's even how i had it but but i didn't have it for stevie ray but hey man I, I love Scotland. Uh, I love I love everything Scotland. So well, you know, can't hate on that. Good for Steve. He's got a lot of kids to feed, yo. Um, Benil Darius defeated Frank Camacho. A uh, good on Benil, man. I picked it, but I wasn't confident. You know, Frank Frank seemed like one of the more livelier dogs on this card. Cyril uh, Gane uh, defeated Dante Mays by submission heel hook at the end, showing his uh, versatility. Um, he doesn't show the one-shot deadening power like Nanganu, although who has power like Nanganu? Although you know what I'm saying, because uh, the old saying at heavyweight, you either have to have knockout, you you ideally have to have both, but you better have at least one, which is knockout power or a chin. Uh, I would argue a chin is much more important, especially if you can fill it out in all the other ways. Which Cyril Gane looks like he's pretty filled out in all the other ways. Dan, you've been spying on him in the shower? Not that way, Jesus! Head out of the gutter. Stay out talking. <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned you know Ninganu and 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 thanks to other podcasts, my head goes other places. Anyways, Dan, uh, but Ghani looked really good there, and now apparently you know as of the day I record this, looks guess who he got booked against, guys? He got booked against 
Tanner bows or hedgehog haircuts with Tanner bows. Hog hunting with Tanner bows or uh, IFLs. <laughs> <laughs> fight for the IFL. Uh, Tanner Bozier. So that, that, that'd that be a good fight. Uh, Bozier's underrated cat, like I told you, and I, I would argue he showed. Um, so it'll be a good uh, it'll be a good test for uh, Ghana and a good opportunity. <laughs> oh, why the fucking match me? I, I got an opportunity for you. Oh, yeah? Let me guess. The athlete, the prospect of the division is destroying people. Oh, God, that's got to be a tough job. All right. Um, Muslim Salikov defeated Loriano Starapoli. Uh, not much to say about that one. Random Marcos defeated Ashley Yoder by split decision. Another split. Both those girls have a history, but Random Marcos keeps her inconsistent consistencies going. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. Rafael Fizzi. Rafael. God damn it. <laughs> it's fucking. Everyone is not a Brazilian in MMA with the name Rafael, Dan. Get over it. Rafael Fiziev, uh defeated Alex White by unanimous decision. Um, I forget. I don't know if I shouted out on the show. Somebody shouted me out on Twitter saying something about, uh, thanks for answering my question. And, uh, yeah, that's what it was about the questions. Hopefully you guys dug that. We'll, we'll do it more. I guess I kind of got a post for those things, um, to encourage you guys, which I, what I learned last time, because people actually did it. So thank you guys again. I will try to be better about doing that in the future until I have an email to direct y'all. But still, that doesn't mean... The prior does not still apply, which is you can always DM me those questions via my Instagram, Dan underscore Tom underscore MMA, or at Dan Tom uh, MMA on Twitter or Facebook, which I really just go on there to clear notifications. So you really you're gonna get the the, the, the slowest response on Facebook. Sorry, folks. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess apparently I was on point about Fiziev. I wasn't like the most confident thing, but uh, I. That was one of the few fights I went to watch because of said question, so I'm glad it was useful. But yeah, uh, we'll talk about Look Boon Me, who I didn't get to do research on, but wow, she was doing a lot of similar things where, like, what I said about Fiziev, where it was like, when you see fighters doing, especially if they're orthodox going in southpaw and they're doing southpaw things as the orthodox fighter, that's big. Um, even if they're not going against the greatest competition. Just having that comfortability in a live combat sport where you get knocked the fuck out. I mean, that's really big. And we saw both Look Moon Me, not to jump ahead, but we're going to blow through anyways. Uh, and Fiziev do. Um, Alex White's a tough motherfucker, though. Team Sling Blade. Uh, I also love when people shout Team. <laughs> oh, God, when people shout Team Spectrum. Uh, who else did I add to Team Dan? It's probably, it's probably best you forget about Team Spectrum and not have to explain to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use the R word. Don't use Mazvar Evloev defeated Enrique Barzola by unanimous decision. Hey, you know what? Um, I was wrong about the Barzola thing, or at least my 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 hunch here. The pick was right, but man, Barzola looked good, and that should not be forgotten in that fight. Sergey Pavlovich uh, defeated uh, Maurice Green by TKO. Yeah, man, um, that power is real, and unless you can really take, you know. Put the flip the turtle on his back like Alistair Overeem did. That guy's gonna be trying to punch your fucking head off, and that is a uh, Pavlovich there. Uh, yes, look, me of course defeated Alexandra Albu. Uh, my buddy Brian Schoonover's uh, favorite fighter. <laughs> Rafael Pazoa uh, defeated Jeff Hughes. Looked like didn't look like a completely different fighter. Sadly, no. Just Jesus, Dan. Hey, that's my current fitness level, right? Current fitness level for Dan Tom Rafael Pazoa. Maybe not that bad. 
you know what I'm saying? Hey, he, 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 don't judge a book by his cover. He, he outperformed, although Jeff Hughes, uh, ah, poor Jeff Hughes. All right, we'll leave it at that. Oh, signed out. You took longer than you thought. I'm going to sign in now. We're going to move over to UFC 244. The good stuff is, for usual, we're going to go top to bottom. Hey, I'm making pretty good time, aren't I? Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, shouts here, Bo Thomas Luke is over on the IG, a listener to the Technic podcast, was uh, wishing me well, but also just said, um, he's like, hey, man, you know, listen to the podcast. Uh, apparently his brother listens too now. Uh, so shout out to Bo Thomas Luke, his brother. Uh, and they dig the... the <laughs> The voices and the character, uh, the fighter nicknames, uh, and then he says, Zen Hog! Of all people, he shouted with Zen Hog, which was hilarious because he's a random Chinese fighter, A, um, who never really got to get his fight on in the UFC this last time, right? Because remember, I can't remember what it was, but uh, I hope he fights again so I can get Zen Hog's profile. But remember, I read it here on the podcast. It's a, it was like not even a straight answer to the question, but it was like something so re- goddamn ridiculous. It was like... Uh, it was just like, uh, how long have you been fighting for? It was, just like, I, it, was, it was just something like, when I get in my mindset, I get very dangerous and unpredictable. Things can happen. Like, or something like, we're like, what the fuck is he even talking about? And then he, the, he fucking somehow like injures himself between the Wayne and fight night. Like, Zen Hog, baby. You don't know what the Zen Hog is going to do. And that's what I left the podcast saying. And sure enough, you don't know what the fuck the Zen Hog is going to do. As I pull these lines up here. But uh, thank you. That was really nice of you. By the time it was really nice to get this shot. I, just, I feel bad. I don't like... I'm a weird, uh, self-deprecating Dan, in case you haven't noticed. like Even as a kid, like I, I was very grateful for as, as messed up as a lot of my childhood was. I had some really quality fucking birthdays in there, right? Like I had one at the bowling alley. I had cake. I had all that like normal kid shit. And I remember that stuff. You know, it goes a long way. Um... Uh, and I was very lucky for that. But I just, the point was, even as a kid, when you're supposed to be fucking your most selfish, right? Like, I just, I didn't like that. I didn't like everybody singing happy birthday. Everybody's going to be looking at me. Can't we just, can we just go bowling? Can I just blend in? <laughs> yeah, Dan, I mean, you know, you want to have podcasts where everybody, you have to talk to everybody. But, uh, yeah, um, anyways, I don't know where the fuck I was going with that as I got the lines here for UFC 244. Oh, yeah, with just the shouts and stuff. That was really nice. I was honestly just trying to give a, give a uh, podcast update because it was a legit I get a legitimate excuse. Hey, I'm in an emergency. Hey, come on. I'm in the gown and everything. Hey, they got me hooked up to IVs. But, you know, God forbid if it was bad news, they had me plugged in and ready to go in case they had to take me in. Um so I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I didn't want to make it over dramatic, but just the, the the responses. Didn't matter if it was a listener I didn't know of or you know, the Mar Ronaldos and stuff of the world. And, like, uh, not trying to name drop, you just know how much I just respect these people. And I'm just like, what the fuck? It just, it just it doesn't make any sense for, uh, for a pub like me. UFC 244 takes place in Madison Square Garden. Point is, I love you guys. We got George Masvidal is your favorite, minus 165. Nate Diaz coming back as the underdog there at plus 145. Really interesting. By the way, thank you guys for checking out my pieces, whether it was the early piece. I kind of wish it did a bit better, that uh, MMA fiction, and I'm not going to lie. It's one of my more favorite things. I, I, probably my favorite thing I've written, uh, written even though it's a silly piece, as, as silly as that sounds. Um, maybe I'll give it one more uh, plug tomorrow, which will be Friday, the day most of you all will be listening. But if you guys want to give that a shout or haven't checked it out, check it out. And only if you like it, if you want to give that a shout and a share, it would mean the world to me. I feel like it really just got kind of looked over when it got 
when it got put out. Um, just that's just how the MMA cycle is. That said, there was the uh, article that did do really well and did get some shouts, and really appreciate those. So y'all don't owe me anything. So don't don't listen to me here. I feel even bad giving myself my shameless plugs here. But um, initially too, I was I I, I felt bad. I kind of like shut this down. I was like, hey, everybody's gonna. You know, I mean, yeah, granted, you guys are getting flooded with the gangster talk, and I, I see the comments and this and that. But this was actually a well thought article. It wasn't just some 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 clicky things, and it was. To credit to my editor, man, our editor-in-chief over there, Simon Samano, man, who's really put together a mean team um, that just, you know, continues to grow over there at MMA Junkie. So uh, a shout-out to Simon, actually, and a credit on this one. That was uh, ranking the, uh, you know, I'm not, even though I do a ranking top five thing, uh, I'm not much of a ranking guy. Uh, it's more just, like, being able to go back to these guys' paths and, like, having an excuse to plug obscure things to some more notable things, sure, of course, but it was awesome. So essentially, I got five from each, Nate and George there, and it was just their, their, their essentially their, their, their top ten. It's like a top ten gangster moments in and out of the cage. And there's a lot of, like, cool little embedded links in there um, and stuff or things you might have forgot about, like Masvidal and his, you know, uh, pension for eating bad food and McDonald's. And, uh, uh, man, I try to stay away from Mickey D's of all fast foods and fast food in general, but your boy is not beyond making bad food decisions in that point so I, I can relate to that which is probably why i like bj penn back in the day so i included uh, a little uh, little easter egg link to bj penn invading kojib's bento right before he beat uh, joe stevenson uh, for the lightweight title it was just insane like he essentially sneaks out from his trainer his trainer's eye because he's underweight he's like only like 158 pounds or something like three weeks out or something ridiculous which kind of makes sense why he went to 45 uh, albeit too late and too wash and that's a whole other story, right? But uh, but and he goes and gets this ridiculous bento like fatty plate, and then he gets um like this ridiculous like breakfast sandwich to go with it because he's like and he's like I gotta eat, gotta need an appetizer on the way home to hold me over. And it was like Hawaiian sweet bread instead of the bread, and it was like sausage, spam, pork, and bacon. Um, with egg, like syrup, and then like not only does he get the bento plate, there's like this like fatty sauce or whatever. And, like he opens like the the bag and the whole bento box, he starts squirting the shit all over. You know it's bad when a when a plate lunch, uh, when a plate when a plate lunch worker or uh, of a restaurant in Hawaii goes, oh, that's fattening, huh? <laughs> Fucking BJ, Jesus Christ, and uh, Jorge. But Jorge, uh, BJ loses, and as I point in the article, Jorge uh, uh, dethroned dethroned another title off of him uh, there for that one. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Go check out that article. A lot of cool, fun Easter eggs there. But um, I also did a breakdown in case I miss anything. But really, I think a lot of people have, you know, uh, I'm sure have have laid out, um, you know, a lot of the talking points. You you really see it and. Um, online, and it's a fight that a lot of, I mean, in the sense that this isn't just a fight that people just started looking at this week. This, so this is, I mean, myself as well. Um, this is a fight that many of us have been looking at. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I wish I was on the Diaz side here for the plus money. Uh, I'm not. I pick Jorge, but there's a saying, I guess, here, folks, that I'm going to be saying a lot with this card. The theme is dog or pass. So don't be surprised, regardless who I pick, play, or neither. Uh, well, I'll be making picks for everybody, but you know, if, even if I don't make a play, it's uh, be a lot of dog or passes. This theme for this card, not much of parlays. Although I did do one fun one, and I'll share that with you as we get to it. But um, I didn't play anything on this fight, by the way, folks. I just want to enjoy this one. But um, 
If you play Nate, good luck. I think he's really going to be live in rounds three and four. Maybe even round two if it goes perfect for him. It's just, it's it, it, it it's funny because, you know, his cardio in general has not really, it's there and it's a strength and I give him the edge against Jorge. I'm not trying to talk crazy before we get, before it gets misconstrued here. But I don't think it's this insane thing like, um, you know, the Clay Guidas of the world where they're just going at like this jackrabbit pace. Clay Guida, the guy that beat um, Nate just by wrestling. Pretty much in that kind of series, that lightweight where a lot of guys were doing that. Nate improved his wrestling shortly after and has improved his wrestling since, as we saw in the last fight with Anthony Pettis. But as far as his pace goes, it, it, could, be, it could be tricky. That said, you know, I, I do... Give him the advantage uh, against George and more so in a five-round fight. I know I was kind of not harping but questioning that more in the last fight just because um, it was a three-round fight uh, against a guy who's not known for his cardio but just kind of uh, playing devil's advocate there. Hell, Nate, Nate proved me wrong in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, he, he proved even – I would argue he proved his supporters wrong, you know, because even his supporters – we're saying that his striking, you know, is going to look a certain way. It didn't. It looked arguably worse. And those same supporters admit that, by and large. I don't. I don't see a lot of people, whether they were Nate fans, not Nate fans, pick Nate in that fight or don't. I think everybody's pretty much in agreement with what we saw, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. You didn't. Well, you know, what's there? Um. So that's it. it it's weird. Like I, I like the wrestling and the more transition savvy game is that it was really just he did some really really good things in that fight to where that even as good as transitionally aware that positionally aware and transitionally aware that jorge is you know it's going to be risky uh, you know uh, he's got to make sure he's on top and in, in somewhat of some control which i think he can and i think he will at parts um <clears throat> do i think he's uh, he needs to rely on it to win the fight no because that's not really Jorge's style he never really had to rely on it i just think it'll be there for him I think he knows that. Um, and, you know, I know it was just a grappling match he had with Pettis, but you look at just kind of the way he he wrestles just to kind of shut down even the opportunistic stuff, you know. And, and just I, I just really like the way he moves and stays on a corner. When a guy's turtle, he stays, you know, off to a corner. Uh, it makes a guy work to even just get him in a guard. Like, it, it, it's really savvy stuff from Jorge. Um, and he does that in, in his MMA fights, too, I know. I'm not just taking from a grappling, grappling, a fun for fun grappling match. Um, but at the same time, here's what's interesting: Jorge is six and two against UFC South level southpaws, and has some of his best finishes going back to the Eve Edwards fight. Um, to like even, you know, obviously Darren Till, one of his more recent uh, knockouts against the southpaw, he's had some of his best finishes on the feet. But the thing is against southpaws, and even just sometimes lengthier guys like James Krause, he's not beyond being stung on the outside at range there. Uh, and that's why he had to wrestle in those fights, which is why I do think he is going to wrestle some in this fight, uh, especially if Nate starts finding that left cross. I mean, that's his money punch. That's what he works. And that's, that's, how, that's how he kind of sneakily uh, steals the steering wheel mid to late in fights, right? And he starts landing those pinpoint, you know, ba-ba-ba-ba, down the pipe, uh, and that... And that and that timing, too, that I love where the jab kind of opens the door and uh, 
the cross comes behind it. You know, I've, I've used a really poor or kind of like a, you know, portal bubble, like a portal reference before, like, you know, the, the, the sci-fi movies where they have the organic portal around them and, you know, or something like something goes through and seals right back up. His jab cross, it's two punches, so you think that would be two penetrations, but the cross comes so fast behind the jab that you could it could sneak in the door, you know, if it was a revolving door, you know. You know, only one only one punch allowed through the door, please. Like Nate Diaz is Diaz Nate Diaz could probably get two in the not because he's fast, but it's just the timing that he puts on it. It's it's funny. Um so that's gonna be live. Unfortunately, George is also gonna have some uh, kicking availabilities, uh, both inside leg kick and the body kick. I think the body kick more so, but the inside leg kick is interesting because he throws those against southpaws. He throws them well, but even threw him against Damian Maya. If you actually go back and watch, he actually landed a lot against Damian Maya. You think that's the last southpaw he would have been throwing those against, right? With the threat of the takedown. And, uh, he did get taken down and controlled and that's how he lost the split decision. But it wasn't off of the kick, per se. If you really go back and look at it, he really got away with those. So I feel like he abuses those there. And I, I know there's mixed feelings on the leg checking. Some people just are still, you know, saying, oh, he doesn't check kicks at all. Other people were saying, you're, you're liars. Nate Diaz checks kicks. Look, look, look at the proof. He broke Anthony's pedal. Like, really, it, Nate Diaz maybe checks, you know, generously a third of the leg kicks thrown his way. And they're very lackadaisical checks. Now, they open up his swings into offense, something I did break down before the last fight. And I do like how he does that. You know, he'll do the same thing with his kind of inside leg kicks. He's not really throwing, he's throwing weak leg kicks on purpose. He's just kind of getting something out there and, and being able to step in uh, and not keeping his leg as a target there kind of to be kicked, right? But if you really look at it, his leg kick checks are still kind of lazy. Like, you could even argue he accidentally checked that leg check against Pettis because if you look how off balance he was, it looked like Diaz was kind of just doing his step forward. And as he steps forward, it almost looks like he was stepping forward on purpose to keep it cocked out there in case there was a kick coming. But if that was the case, why did he, he, why did he kind of raise it up? I think he raised it up because obviously he wanted to check the kick first and foremost. I don't think he was too sure of his stepping. He really got kind of caught off in mid-step there and was just trying to react. That's why he falls over too. Thankfully for him, Anthony got the better, uh, the worst of it. And, you know, apparently he didn't break his foot. But I saw him at Contender Series a week later with his the fat boot. I mean, it was, it was pretty messed up. I mean, you saw the pictures. Not making it an excuse. I thought it was a great win for Nate. Yet he, I thought it should have even been a stoppage win, to be honest. So... Definitely not making um, an excuse or anything like that, but I mean, it is what it is, right? And that's my that's my honest take on it. So uh, I think it'll be there for Jorge, but I honestly think to to watch him go to the body, um, that's going to be real, real big. That body kick, um, and then if he does go southpaw versus southpaw, he could have some success there. Obviously, uh, Connor was able to land those all day. I mean, you just look at Nate's right eye in both fights. Uh, because again, southpaw is the uh, it, you know left hands, left hooks, kind of like a, a discuss. Man, I got to get Connor back on here. That was a fun top. Uh, I got to do more top fives in general. I got to get Connor uh, Rebush back on here. But as we discussed, you know, with like the Sam Stout and Eve Edwards KO, like the left hook when it lands on the southpaw is extra devastating, and uh, I argue as it's to the blind spot, and and and. 
think it was, yeah, it was post that till uh, Masvidal article. So you see Masvidal use it and um, or post that fight, I should say. But uh, shouts to Bloody Elbow. Uh, Connor wrote a good article, Bloody Elbow, kind of really breaking that down as far as why it's just kind of the Southpaw killer. So, man, um, I, that could be a shot to watch out for again. Jorge hasn't gone Southpaw a lot in his career. Um, he's shown he can do it in like kind of spurts. Um, but you know, I think Paulinho Hernandez, Balky from Perfect Strangers, as I like to say, um, I think he called for that. I mean, Jorge credits him, right? Uh, all credit to Bal- all credit to Balky, all credit to Paulino. Um, so I'll be interesting to see what Paulino's reads are for this fight because Nate Diaz is a guy. There's a lot, of, you know, even though not a lot of footage on him lately. It's a lot to study. Let's see if they did, and let's see if Nate uses that to his advantage, goes with something different, or if Nate just kind of shows something different because maybe that's, you know, that's who he is. I don't know. I, I'm banking that we see a better Nate personally. I think the reason why we saw the bad round one, not just because Nate's a slow, a slow starter, but because of the layoff. So I, I'm thinking we actually see a better Nate, but even then I still I still favor Jorge here. I think the intangible for Jorge, aside from the left hands and the feet, obviously, um, and it uh, and pace is well pace, but more specifically, and I, I cited this example. Um, I actually wrote the one for the Athletic came out the day I wrote this. Shots of the Athletic uh, danced up uh, uh, for, for for letting me uh, contribute a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of big names, a lot of a lot, lot of big names in there. Uh, it's cool to see uh, Patrick Wyman doing a little write-up again. And, uh, of course, my man, MMA Junkie George, uh, Luca Fury as well. Uh, so, so, so some good some good names and takes in there. Um, so go check that out. But, yeah, as I say in that article, and as well as, of course, the in-depth breakdown, of course, go check it out at MMAJunkie.com. Um, I use the Roberto Duran. I did the Roberto Duran for Kelvin Gaston as well, which I've done before. But uh, that was like Jorge Masvidal's kind of like favorite fighter. And uh, I might even bring him up in the Stephen Thompson fight, especially in the Roberto Duran sense. And, you know, we've seen them. We all imitate our heroes for better or worse, and even fighters, folks. And sometimes the way they live to the way, whether they realize it or not, when you get to the Connor or John Jones statuses, you're mimicking people whether you realize it or not, or in a literal sense, like... Um, Page note, like I think Jorge Masvidal, the last time he fought in Madison Square Garden, I think he did it from the way he did his hair, almost like, you know, I, I, I was just like, did he fucking like reanimate Ray Arcel to comb his hair between rounds and shit? Like, <laughs> to the way he was just like kind of boxing and uh, unfortunately not cutting off the ring against Stephen Thompson and just, it was just a very like, you know, fight like uh, Hands of Stone and try to beat him like Hands of Stone would. Like, he didn't fight fight him like Jorge Masvidal, the mixed martial artist, would almost. Uh, I'm not saying that, that Stephen Thompson can't or wouldn't have won that fight. I picked Stephen Thompson to win that fight. But, but yeah, we'll get to that. Page note that. Um, but I'm worried if he, you know, imitates Duran and the sense when Duran went to the Garden, even though the fight was in St. Louis or whatever, the rematch. But he went to New York City and got, got fat, doing media stuff, yada, 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 right? And that's why... Leonard calls for the rematch because he's gonna he's gonna he's out of shape and maybe not necessarily why Nate called him out. I think a lot of it was respect. Perhaps a lot of it maybe. Obviously Nate thinks he can beat him as he should. He's a fighter. God damn it. But 
you look who's doing the heavy lifting for the media and you see Jorge just doing everything, right? For how long now? I'm like, when's he going to wrap it up and get in the training camp? And it's just, I love the Diary of the Street Fighter stories. And I know you can't take Jorge too seriously. His troll game is pretty strong and low key. But at the same time, like, this is a main event like no other. It's got to take its toll. And Nate Diaz has had a little bit longer time to adjust to that as far as breaking through to the mainstream. You know, Masvidal low-key might have been a player perhaps sooner uh, if we're really trying to draw straws, although it's really kind of comes close within a couple of years when they start getting their big wins. But um, But Nate broke through earlier as far as, you know, 2016, right? That's when he breaks through. Of course, we knew, we all knew about Nate. I'm talking about mainstream folks. Um, it wasn't until he beat Connor in 2016, whereas Jorge is still this year. It's a crazy year for Jorge Masvidal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just things to think about there. Uh, I'm going to take Masvidal by decision. Um, just going to enjoy it. Next fight, Kelvin Gaslam, your favorite, minus 260. Darren Till, comeback, plus 220. Darren Till, fucking hell, I just got here on the fucking plane, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I always talk to my uh, to my dog, Ben, when I uh, when I leave the house. He always looks at me all sad, and I go, don't worry, Benji, daddy be back, daddy be back. <laughs> daddy be back. Um, but, uh. I, I like Darren Till, man. I just wish he had a matchup where I could pick him because I feel like he's one of those fighters like Cowboy where it's like people people or the fighter himself are going to think I hate him. Like, this fucking prickle is fucking picking against me. Fucking tell him. Uh, but, you know, it, it just... <coughs> Excuse me. Bless me. Ooh. It's just the matchups. I've always kind of felt like it's been too much too soon. And they proved me wrong on the Cerrone fight. That was awesome, but that was also my... Possibly the worst thing that happened to him, because look what happened to him since. He's just been forced these matchups. You know, he arguably didn't beat Thompson. Most people, I don't see many people uh, volunteering a till score when that that fight comes up. In fact, anytime that fight comes up, you can always count at least one person on the conversation going, oh, I scored that for Thompson. Um, not that it's really a fight you could die on the hill either way, let's be honest, right? Nothing really happened, but still. We're scoring fights by round, not just by mo by one moment. This wasn't a Japanese-style scored fight, though it felt like it was. Um, but anyways, neither here nor there. And that's not Till's fault. He went out there and fought his ass off, right? And did the most, technically. So, good on him. I'm, I don't really have a problem with it. But just saying, just for what that's worth. And a lot of that, I think, is being, you know, looked at here. Darren Till's an underdog. You don't often see him as an underdog, especially this big of an underdog. You know, the line has grown. I, th I could tell it was going to. Um, I didn't. Uh, I put Kelvin in a fun parlay piece. But, you know, I, I wasn't in a rush to because I knew I was going to put him in a parlay piece. But, man, I, I kind of wish I went early before it got inflated. I think uh, I, I kind of forecasted. I think it's going to be everybody's uh, big plays. Everybody's going to have their big plays on Kelvin. And the money kind of proves that. Um, especially with the uh, the old Greek gambler out there. I, I ended up being on the same side of him on a couple, a couple times here. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I ain't hating. All, all love to him. He's been doing good. I, I think. Uh, I don't. I don't keep track of his shit. But the last offhand, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he he's even was on on his juice. I'm not preaching any juice, but I did play him in a parlay piece. But that's it. I I, I didn't lay steam when he was. Uh, when I picked him, I think he was minus two hundred or minus two ten, kind of floating between that. I had the breakdown videos done early this week. I had, I had all these written the videos shot like Thursday last week, like a week earlier. So I've. I'm, 
it's a little slow in recalling this analysis, folks. See, that's the problem with doing it too early. I'm sitting here like grasping for fucking straws on the fights that I actually did the most research and writing and repetitions on. You can't win. You can't win. So it's just like Yannick. Shouts to John Yannick. Just like Yannick said, though, you can't do your research too early. You know, even for his stuff, you got to keep it fresh in your head. And you're gonna lose it. It's an open book test, but. Old Dan Tom barely has notes in front of him. I do a lot of it Rain Man status, which is kind of crazy, but that's how I do it. Uh, taking Kelvin Gasman, I don't think he's going to knock him out. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, the southpaw versus southpaw shot is going to be lobbed at him all day. I got to imagine Derek Till's going to be aware of it. Uh, so I don't think it's going to blindside him like the, you know, because Jorge doesn't switch as much. He didn't see that much, especially the drop shift, drop step that Jorge did to set it up. I mean, that was some athletic ass shit. And Kelvin can close. You know, fast as well, even albeit at middleweight. Again, he's a blown up welterweight here as well, folks. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Money, Penny. Excuse me. Cucumber. Blueberries. Uh, but, you know, Jesus, Dan. Easy on the accents. Um, but I, I got to imagine Colin Aaron. Colin Aaron? Colin. Uh, this is going to be awesome, man. You got the, the two badass Muay Thai coaches. You got Rafael Cordero in one hand, Kings MMA, and you got fucking. Colin Haddon, Team Calvon in the next one. Volcanel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so I think we're going to get some Muay Thai Maelstrom, albeit a bo- uh, more of a boxer, Kelvinus. Tarn. Tarn, Woodley. Like how Darren says Tarn. Tarn. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to go to decision, though. Um, I don't think ground exchanges will last long. I wouldn't be surprised if Kelvin mixes in some wrestling. Hell, he rocked Izzy and was seconds away from mid- winning the middleweight title and tried to wrestle. So I'm sure he'll wrestle at some point here. <laughs> credit, to, credit to Izzy. Not trying to take anything away. Just saying. <laughs> uh, I'll take Kelvin Gaslam. I'm sure I missed some uh, important shit there. But you can look it up. Uh, you can look it up in the breakdown. Oh, this next fight. Break my heart. Break my heart. Break my heart. Damn, Tom picked Vincente. So did everybody. Because Luke is the favorite now. Jesus Christ. Steven Thompson, minus 105. Pick him. Slight favorite on Luke Money's come in. Got to imagine. I don't think it's your boy here. Because uh, I didn't publicly, although I hinted. Hinted with a tweet. Uh, I don't have that kind of a pull. Who are we kidding here, folks? Uh, I think the Greek gambler moved that line. Some other some other people. Perhaps I I don't know I don't I don't I don't I don't scour anybody but I do you know I I I do follow people who make the plays and I do look at the timeline I do not hide from that fact that you know a little temperature taste and the only temperatures I've seen are the only uh, plays I've seen on this one are are, are, are Stephen Thompson um and man you know there are very few fighters at the high level who I haven't picked against you know like I said in that tweet. And I mean, like, as far as, like, a decent sample size. Yeah, there's some fighters that have only fought two or three times. Of course, there's going to be a lot of those fighters I technically haven't picked against yet. But uh, Robert Whitaker was one. And it, but wait, Robert Whitaker fights Stephen Thompson. I wasn't making picks back then, although I was occasionally placing some bets back then. That was a fight where I was like, oh, I'm bummed. I like Stephen Thompson. But this Robert Whitaker guy seems like a badass. And uh, I didn't want anybody to lose that fight. Um, but, yeah, no, I've never officially picked against Robert Whitaker. Um, and I, my initial instinct was with Izzy and I went against it. Unfortunately, I already went over my, un- another unfortunate overcorrecting the steering wheel. Another unfortunate Dan gets popular fights wrong, which by the way, that means Nate Diaz is going to win because that's a popular fight. 
Um, and even though, by the way, even though UFC Ping- Sing- uh, Singapore was far from a popular card, Ben Askren, whether you like him or not, is a popular fighter. So another reason why I got that wrong again. See, see, there's a rhythm. I'm starting to break my own code. I just, I just suck at popular fights when everybody's looking like, you know. Uh, I'm not just writing. I had MMA junk, this, you know, MMA junkie article that had a prediction over at the Athletics. So I'm, I'm exposed here. Everybody knows my pick, so you know the idea is going to win that fight. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, there's very, very few fighters, and I never picked against Stephen Thompson, man. Kempo Karate, fellow black belt. Of course, he's better. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I you know, I, I got love for the art. I, I, I spent I spent some some years doing it. Let's just say. Um, and he also does just does, does boxing and, you know, uh, takes stuff from some of my favorites like Ali and just the way he moves. I love it, man. And I don't like to look at stats, but I will to kind of, uh, assist. I don't like hanging arguments on them. I think they're very deceiving. They don't, aren't indicative of the fight, but yeah, the stats support that he should be hitting them. At straight range, at long range, with his straight shots, anytime, anytime he pleases, right when he commits it. Um, and Luke, the only reason why fights were even as close as they were, which, by the way, I know he ended up beating Hassan, but that one fight, that was just one of the. I don't, I don't, I haven't watched it in a while, admittedly, but I, I'm. That was just a really bad decision. It's not really often I say that, but that first fight against Hader Hassan, I'm like do. People not see the, like, the the leg work and the, the body work and the other things that Luke is doing and just like reading exchanges to who's really getting the the better of it. And Luke was even the one coming forward. Now, Hassan had that jab early on. And I'm bringing this up because it's kind of the beginning of his UFC start. Obviously, you know, Luke's got wins over Tiago Santos, knockout wins uh, in the regional scene. He didn't, he didn't face no slouches and he had to, you know, his, his record's deceiving. You got a lot of, you know, uh, uh, like submission loss, I think is it submission losses? Let me pull it up. But yeah, I mean, it's it's he didn't have easy regional competition. Uh, you know, um, it was real sink or swim for Luke and he's really young too. Like he really got in there. You forget how young he is because he looks and holds himself so mature. But um, let me see. Yeah, he's never been knocked out. That's a big thing. That's a big hanging point here. But, yeah, I mean, look at the experience on the guys and whatnot. And, like, you know, arm triangle choke. Like, he's not going to be too worried about being sub, but that was against a more experienced guy. Third round. He's probably really tired. Uh, we've seen him get tired in fights with Leon Edwards having to wrestle when he can't have that wrestling advantage. Uh, you know, Michael Graves, I think that was kind of the key there. But when he's striking with guys, he does very well in those fights. Um, unfortunately, everybody, because of the gifts of the nose and all that stuff, and Mike Perry being Mike Perry, we were talking more about that and crediting Mike Perry's toughness more than we were crediting Luque's technique. And not only that, I don't even think people were crediting, they were talking about Mike Perry more than the winner, but they weren't even crediting the real things that Mike Perry was doing, which even live tweeting someone who picked and scored it 30-27 though could have seen that second round for Perry and wanted to just give it and would have no problem giving it to him just for the body work and, and leg kicks and the adjustments that he made the the quiet uh, adjustments of Mike Perry there <laughs> but um you know it, it, I was really impressed and people weren't even talking about that uh 
and so it just it really reminded me of that that first hater Hassan fight where just you know it's just people you know I don't know it was just really weird it was just really weird I just thought thought that was just a really poorly scored fight I'm surprised like commentators didn't bring it up later you know um, and I think like even like my one of my favorite uh, Stanek uh, combination and 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 those guys do their research as well and you know you can't say stuff like that really as commentators anyway, so I'm not coming at them or anything like that. But I was just hoping, like, I guess I was just hoping one of the commentators would be like, it was a really close fight, maybe do one of those speaking between the lines thing, because I'm like, I know it's a meaningless fight so long ago, but it just seemed like a really bad decision. And the reason why I bring it up is because I think that's a, a key for Luke because he takes so many shots uh, or straight shots. It would, it would, it would make, it, I guess it makes that appear. Like, even with the Derek Cranston, it was good shots he landed, but, like, you know, commentary's like, oh, he's so rocked. Like, I don't know about that, you know? Um, the only times I really could see it or, you know, critique where he really actually seemed the most rocked was Brian Barbarina. And then if you look at Brian Barbarina, if you're just judging a book by its cover, you know, you're like, hmm, maybe that could raise some questions. And I, I get that. Maybe you're, you're, you're kind of raising some, some questions about that one. But that was just a freaking war. You guys know I've been a Bam Bam fan since day one. One of the only people to pick him against Sage and you know uh, other fights uh, against uh, Warley. Uh, so Bam Bam's been good. I, I've known about Bam Bam for a minute. I, I haven't underestimated him. Uh, but at the same time, like that was that was even a bit surprising to me. You know, I picked Luke. K. I didn't expect the fight to be that close. It was a great fight. Uh, Luke K. found his way. Um, but that was the thing. Like I think Luke. K., you know, the first round against Bam Bam, first round against uh, Hater, and even against Mike, because a lot of people, including the judges, I'm guessing, were scoring that first round for Mike as well, because they weren't seeing what was actually landing. Like, I'm not a big fan of the high guard. It will eventually make you pay. Uh, but Luke uses the high guard some of the best I've seen, and I'm not a fan of that guard style. He uses it really well to the point where I'm getting angry at these decisions and, like, or just these uh, interpretations almost that he's getting rocked or really getting hit. I'm like, he's he's rolling and shelling with these. Like, what the fuck? Come on, man. I don't have the best eyes when it comes to this shit. How am I seeing this? Um, but uh, it just it just it's 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 very upsetting. Now again, the stats are gonna counter that argument. It's gonna again. I'm not saying he doesn't get hit. The stats say he gets hit. How many times does he really get rocked? How many times does it really affect him? And how many rounds, aside from these rounds that I'm arguing should not be scored against him, how many rounds does he really clearly lose when he's not getting wrestled? Something that Wonder Boy's not going to do to him here. Not many. Um, and the leg kicks are also another thing, you know. Uh, Anthony Pettis, he comes from the, you know, Duke Rufus who trains Dutch style, but Anthony Pettis, we've seen a lot of different iterations. We've seen more more flowy Anthony Pettis from the Southpaw stance. We've seen more boxing savvy Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis has always had an underrated counter right hand. Um, but this was most like Dutch style regimented pressure uh, Anthony Pettis we saw, and props to him. It got him hit with a lot of straight shots that, you know, Luke K will probably take well, but Anthony Pettis... For everybody saying he quits and all these things, and although I'm still not going to say that, I will say the one thing I didn't give enough credit to, and props to the people who brought this up, was his durability. That was something that I didn't overlook because I didn't mention it, but I definitely didn't give it the weight that I should have. But whatever, the point is, all the criticisms, fair or unfair, that you can throw against Anthony Pettis, and we all have our own, 
he was able to take those shots and still find his knockout. And it was an impressive, um, it was it was a drop, it's like a drop, it's like a drop shift off a kick, and it's something that he did in the Ferguson fight, he tagged Ferguson with, and he, he's done it a bunch. Uh, and it's funny, this is the most, again, it's more from traditional martial arts, and which is ironic, like even guys like Elias Theodore, who's not a traditional martial artist or a dangerous striker by, by any means, but you know, one of the things I like from Elias' game and kept him safe is that he did that and kept people from countering whenever he'd kick. Because kicks were the strongest part. Kicks, Davey, throw your kicks. Kicks were the, st- <laughs> the strongest part of Elias's game. So, uh, uh, you know, you attach that right hand at the end, and that's what Pettis did. Uh, but but up until that, it was regimented Dutch Muay Thai. I guess my point that I was heading there was that that's already Luke's game. It's already deeply ingrained. Further to the point, like Pettis, or more importantly, like Thompson... Luke came from a karate base. He was born into a karate family, mainly his mother, who taught and was a black belt. Um, but he kind of saw the advantages of Muay Thai and transferred that as a teen, whereas Wonder Boy, you know, came up at a different time. He's a bit older. Uh, and in his region, from his background and the family, uh, being born under Ray Thompson, yeah, you're going to be into that karate kickboxing, son. And I come from that world, too, which is why I love Stephen Thompson. But... Um, the point is, Luke comes from that world, so he knows that world, but he's already embraced the style that beats that world, which is that Dutch pressure-style kickboxing. And I look at his leg triggers compared to Pettis's, and Pettis was quietly, Duke Rufus was right. I didn't give him enough credit when I was tweeting live, but Anthony Pettis was quietly beating the shit out of Thompson's legs, and we haven't seen him against really good kickers like that a lot, that we're going to target it like that. So that is a pathway there. Furthermore... His kick triggers weren't as fast as Luke's. Luke can do it from both stances, inside and out. His timing. I mean, he's timing guys and icing them like Laprise with that left hook. He does the same thing with his leg kicks. I mean, he's not knocking guys out, but I'm talking about timing and hitting emphatically. Yes, that he is doing. Um, And furthermore, not only is his triggers faster than Anthony Pettis, when I look at Stephen Thompson's triggers, I went back and watched some of his older MMA fights. And, not even, and even just the fights from 2015 and 2016, I can kind of see the difference as far as how he's moving, how Stephen Thompson's kind of just looking in there. And it's a style that really relies on your speed and reaction time. And as you get older, that becomes less. Luckily for Stephen Thompson, he's had a good chin, and when he does get rocked, he's had good recoverability. But as we look at it, he's been rocked more and more. Uh you know, he he's he had a really impressive stat that kind of is, is growing less impressive, uh, impressive, which was it's now up to he's sure he's he's knocked down six of his last ten opponents, but he's only gotten one stoppage victory in the last four years, two, if in the last five because Jake Ellenberger came right before that and Johnny Hendricks, which were, no offense, all due respect, but look at their career trajectories and I'll just leave it at that. And I was one of the few that was actually calling that. That was actually an upset. And I, I had a really good breakdown on the mixed martial analysts that actually called that upset of Stephen Thompson getting that. But the point is, those things have kind of lessened. And he got dropped against Darren Till, even though I thought he won that fight. Uh, dropped against Woodley, right, both times. Um, Masvidal eats a good left hook, but he doesn't get dropped. And then, of course, he gets knocked out by Pettis. So that's a trend there. That's four out of his last five guys. He's almost getting, like, flashed. He's getting flash, uh, flash KO'd uh, at, at, at borderline and at least dropped on his behind, to put it kindly. 
Um, so that's a trend there. So I, I know this is running long, folks. I'm going to blow through the rest of these because there are some that I didn't do. Tape study, which is a good thing, or a strong tape study. Because it's just, fuck, even MMA, the MMA cores of the world. I can't. I can only get like half the fights now. It's goddamn ridiculous. And the trying to search on ESPN Plus. Oh, holy vey. Sorry. <laughs> Point is, I get why... Steven's the favorite, and I get why if anybody took a shot on him, would. Straight shots supported by stats are going to be there. But I just think that Luke is going to break him down and knock him out in the third round. Easy Derek Love. Not saying you should bet on it. I may or may not have sprinkled on Luke when he was plus 105 because uh, he came down from plus 110, and it scared me. I'm like, oh, that's slipping on me. Um, and now he's a favorite. But, uh, yeah, I may or may not have sprinkled on Luke. I think he gets it done in round three. All right, sorry about that, folks. Pulling up, uh, well, no, I did not forget me. <laughs> I did not forget me local information, my friend. All right, next fight on the card. Uh, as I, as I pull it up here. Sorry, folks. I'm gonna blow through the rest of these. It's a lot to talk about. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Sure, everybody kicked their feet back on this. Oh yes, there we go. Blagoy, I like boy. <laughs> <Even> though, <laughs> another fighter random nickname. Perverted attribution for no random reason that just Dan Tom does. Comes in as your favorite at minus 115. Derek, it's a juggernaut. Lewis, minus 105. Money coming in on Black Beast as I figured. I got, you know me, man. I'm one of the only guys that picks Blagoy every time, and I've been pretty right. Except for Junior Dos Santos. I didn't pick him there, though. So, But when I pick Blagoy, I like boy. Mr. Evenoff, we don't serve that here. My, I think I'm broke then. Jesus Christ, didn't stop with that. Uh, but you know, he's he's really deceiving. He looks really awkward. He looks like super nervous to be up like in the media, like for the stare down. He's just like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my hands? Smile, smile. Ugh. <laughs> but uh, you can't underestimate, man. This guy's never been stopped. He's been stabbed in the heart. He fucking won't die. He beat Fedor and Sambo, and Fedor was Fedor, like. You know, and he, if you look at that fight, by the way, he essentially just defended takedowns, just was pummeling him on the feet and really scoring, <laughs> uh, banking on that he hit harder and had a better chin than Fedor and was just uh, using his pressure in that match. Not a lot of submission, uh, or submission exchanges, I should say. Um, but, yeah, there's Derek Lewis. I love Derek Lewis. We all love Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah, but, man, it's so hard to know. Like, I love it, but it almost just got, like, you know, and he's he, he's boys with uh, MMA Junkie Radio, and and he's boys with a lot of people, uh, colleagues of mine, and fans and listeners, all that. I ain't hating. I love Derek Lewis. I'm not hating on him, but it's, man, it's just like okay, we get the gimmick. Like, are you are you taking anything seriously, dude? Like, are you should we care? Should we invest in your fight? Are you? I mean, to your credit, is it like you say? Are you just doing this for money? Because you know you don't see any improvement. So I see a boxing range where he's apparently supposed to be the most dangerous. Uh, he explodes and throws those kicks, and then if you try to take him down, he ends up on top of you. You're in trouble. I don't think he's going to win those scrambles against Blagoy. I don't necessarily think Blagoy will submit him, although I do think Blagoy will wrestle him against the cage, and if you look how easily he was able to grab Taito Ivasa's head, not that Taito Ivasa's a wrestler or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, another big, strong physical specimen, athlete, 
all these advantages over him and how he was able to bully him from that front headlock. He actually got him to tap. He actually beat Tai Tuivasa twice in that fight. He got him to tap at the end of the second from the front headlock guillotine. So Blagoy does have submissions. I don't think that's how he does it. Um, I guess I wouldn't be at all surprised. Although seeing Derek Lewis come into this fight week more in shape does make me feel better. But he's still not in the shape that maybe he should be, you know? Like, you look at his knees, they're kind of like bowed out from carrying the weight because... A, he's big, but B, he's probably not supposed to be as big as he is. I mean, he's 6'3". He's not, like, as giant. I mean, that's big, but, like, you know, it's not like, you know, you know Johnny Walker is going to look bigger than him, put it that way. Um, and uh, you go back and watch, and shout out to Lord Honky Humongous there over on uh, Twitter, posting the clips of all the fights and stuff. But uh, he was posting some early uh, Derek Lewis footage, and, you know, for those of you that are aware, and I brought it up too, with you go back and watch the Raheem Cleveland armbar, like he's hitting a fucking ninja armbar, like it's a slim Derek Lewis, like he looks way slimmer than he does his fight week. So credit to him, but we'll see. Uh, it, apparently, it's from Lutrition. Uh, I was watching. Shout out to James Lynch. J- James Lynch, a lot of great interviews he put out this week. Uh, he did one with Lou Giordano, and um, I don't know, man. Uh, speaking of you know bad weight cuts and affecting fighters, apparently that that was a bad one there with the Johnny Hendricks uh, versus Thompson. I ain't trying to throw shade, but you know there's been things. I know that the Pettis uh, letting him eat steak and throw eggs on it, and then he doesn't make weight for a 145 fucking interim title fight up in Canada against Max. Um, and that's just off the top of my head. So put that what you will. Um, but if that's the only reason why he's lost the weight. I'm still not convinced. I haven't seen anything on his Instagram or his coach's Instagrams that he's he's putting in the work. Uh, so it's just hearsay that he's looking like a beast. We hear that every time. It's a different Derek Lewis. We hear that every... Again, I like Derek Lewis, but we hear the same shit every time, and he just looks kind of like trash until he wins. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. But unless he does that here against a guy who's never been stopped, stabbed in the fucking heart, beat Fedor when he was Fedor, unless he does that here... I think we just, I mean, the, the the over is set at two and a half for a heavyweight fight, Derek Lewis fight for a reason. So you, and that two and a half is at minus one ten. You might as well just bet Bilgoy straight up at minus one fifteen, um, which I would have done already. But I think that I might, I think I, I'm still holding hope that we might see a plus number on Bilgoy. So I'm waiting for a plus number to pull the trigger on Bilgoy, but I think even not by decision. All right, next, Gregor Gillespie minus one fifty five. Your favorite comeback on Kevin Motown Phenom Lee plus one thirty five. Dude, this is tough, man. Again, a fighter that I like personally, although I'm not super tight with him or anything like that. I'm not going to front that I am. Just saying, you know, uh, interviewed him plenty, seen him at non-MMA events, uh, trained in the same gym, you know, tight with the same people that I'm tight with, so it's always always tough here. But believe it or not, I'm picking against Kevin Lee. It's not the first time. I actually picked against him when he was representing us and had – Rest in peace, my, my late great coach Robert Fallis in his corner. I still picked against him there uh, against Tony, and uh, didn't defend. I actually I actually talked to him and Robert about it, and uh, and yeah, they weren't offended at all. And Robert after after the, after the fight, of course, it's like it was a good breakdown. But uh, no, they that was a tough one. They really wanted to win that one. Uh, they went in with every intent to win, and I would be more than happy to see Kevin Lee win. But this is. A wait and see for me, folks. Got to see where Gregor Gillespie is. We haven't seen him in a while. 
from his mixed martial arts career trajectory because he's young in that. He he should make some improvements here. He's Frankie Edgar, right, folks? He's essentially tattooed up Frankie Edgar. Um, I know I've made that comparison before, but he's got that volume kickboxing game, just wrestle you, and he's a little more uh, aggressive uh, with the submissions and savvy with it, which is good for him because he likes to get to the mount and finish from there with head and arms or rear nakeds, mainly head and arms. Um... And, you know, they say if you've got a good guillotine, you probably have good guillotine defense. So even if uh, Kevin Lee, who's now working at TriStar, does his GSP impression, which is, you know, uh, take the guy out from his feet, overwhelm him in an area he thinks he's strong in, you know, a la Koscheck, um, i got to imagine Gregor's not going to be able to panic. And maybe even if he loses the first round, i got to imagine his scrambling style is really going to make Kevin Lee work hard. Uh, for a round that hypothetically goes in Lee's favor. Um, I'm hoping Lee has improved his jab, although Dewey Cooper is still going to be his, is still his guy, apparently. He's still going to be his coach and corner. Nothing wrong with Dewey Cooper, but I still just feel like I, I, I'm seeing a lot of the same Kevin Lee. Like, he has the tools, and, and he can hurt people. He's got a really underrated body kick. Um, but I just feel like it's a video game character in the sense, like, it's like, hitting combos on a video game like I don't feel like there's an organic connection with him and the striking flow in the pocket the ebb and flow if that makes any sense he's obviously competent fighter obviously competent striker obviously competent at throwing strikes and combinations but there's something about just like I said you know when I'm criticizing uh, people's reads or judges reads on these scorecards are they not reading the ebb and flow of uh, uh, you know of a striking exchange, um, just as those people uh, or us, if we want to meaningfully interpret these fights, have to do from the outside, the fighters themselves have to do from the inside. And I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is I still don't, and I, he, he's bound to hit it. Uh, he's making progressions. I'm not condemning him. We're trying to be negative toward Kevin here. But speaking critically and honestly, I don't feel like he's organically glued in that ebb and flow yet. Whereas I think it's going to be much easier for Gregor to do. Gregor is also kind of a programming guy, but it really worked for him because we've seen Gregor take flush knees that should be knocking people out from Glyco Franca, who went on a tear until running into another wrestler, uh, Michad, um, a bit welterweight. I mean, it's the giant at lightweight Glyco Franca. Making her debut in Brazil against that guy, Jesus Christ, that was a hard uh, fight. Um, that the Props to people that cashed that plus number on Gregor, but there was a reason why the odds were, were tight on that fight. Um, and Gregor's proven it. He's eating flush head kicks. You know, we've seen him hit flush punches. And the guy just stays on the fucking clock. He stays on the clock. And what I like about Gregor is he makes high percentage choices. Everything is high percentage. And you listen to him talk and you watch him wrestle in college. That's what his game was all about. He, he wasn't just winning. It was keeping that margin wide. It was keeping them down keeping him controlled, staying dominant. Um, and I think if we just crudely go wrestling for wrestling, I think it's going to apply here. Now, in a wrestling for wrestling, I would look to fade the higher credential wrestler against a guy like Kevin Lee because Kevin Lee understands grappling, back-taking all this stuff from an early age. The problem is, again, like I said, Gregor Gillespie also does these things and is really savvy at him. And since, unfortunately, since he's not with Fallis anymore, like, I feel like he was making so many progressions that, he, that like, you know, 
he was just going to own people. And unfortunately, with the interviews that I've heard and reading between the lines, I feel like Kevin Leaf kind of felt that way for a while too, which is why he's been searching for a home. Now, Faraz is a really good coach and really savvy when it comes to ground stuff as well, but I don't is he going to have that same connection? I don't know. And like we always say, when a fighter changes camp, there's always that one-fight adjustment period. This is that adjustment period. So just as much of it might be a wait-and-see for Gregor, it's also a wait-and-see for Lee. Where the hell is he at, you know? Um, it, it looks like his, his weight's on point. I actually would believe him. It looks like he's been walking lighter, and he apparently said that again. Shout-out to James Lynch there. Uh, with the interview that he did with him. So I'm going to take his word for that. I don't think the weight will be too much of a problem. We'll see tomorrow. Uh, or as many of you may have already seen, because you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday before the fights. But the pick, I'm actually going to go with Gregor Gillespie here. I don't know if he gets a finish. I think that he pulls away in the later rounds, because what we some sometimes have seen from least Cardio, sometimes. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think Gregor's going to get the three-round decision. All right, Johnny Walker, minus 155. Corey Anderson, plus... 135. Um, this is a tough one. I really like Corey Anderson, especially a lot more after that Joe Rogan podcast he did. He really won me over there. I, I dig his attitude, man. I really dig me some Corey Anderson. Johnny Walker is the type of dude that old Dan Tom here because he's a contrarian. And, you know, Walker's, you know, super athletic, you know, and things probably come easier. So I'm going to fade him because I'm a fucking contrarian. Hipster ass contrarian like that. But no, I'm actually going to pick Walker here. Kind of like the same, you know, put it this way. It's kind of like the same thing I did last time Corey Anderson fought Madison Square Garden. For those of you who don't remember, my, my breakdown on this podcast was he fought Ovin St. Prue. Ovin St. Prue was coming in on short notice. But I was like, you know, an Ovin St. Prue gasses in at short notice. But I'm like, you know what? I still think he's going to win. I think Corey Anderson's going to be winning in this fight all the way into the moment that he isn't and he gets knocked out. Uh, I think that's what happens here. I just think it happens faster in rounds one or maybe even two. Corey Anderson gets a good round, and we get to see some of Johnny Walker's wrestling. But it's tough. I was worried about Walker if he was making too fast of a turnaround. It felt like all, you know, like, God damn it, dude. This guy injures himself after beating freaking Misha Serkinoff. I'm going to go pick him against Corey Anderson. But if you look, he's been making the rounds, man. Um, training at... Uh, Moscow over in Russia, ATT affiliate over there, SBG Ireland, uh, AKA Thailand. Like this guy is fucking making his rounds. Um, and he's a well-traveled guy and he's got an interesting background, which I wish I could recall. Cause I just skimmed through a story, uh, like two of his fights ago and never went back to it, but he's moved around and he's faced some adversities and I haven't quite gone back to look at the story to see if it lined up. With certain losses that I kind of can't get out of my head, like the Wagner Prado loss and some other ones, but um, but yeah, man, uh, it, it could be that. It could be learning losses. He's a young guy, and he's really coming into his own. I, I worry more about him missing weight than not succeeding at this weight class. You know that that win over Justin Ledet really turned me because as flash as it was, there was a lot of skill there. It actually reminded me, of, except unfortunately, I didn't fucking ice a dude. Um, cause it was point sparring, uh, and I was a teenager, a kid teenager, but it reminded me of one of my Kempo Karate, uh, tournaments, uh, hitting the back fist to spinning back, kick to back fist combo, a variation of that. And even, you know, kickboxing guys like, uh, Tim Lane, uh, multiple time, uh, kickboxing champ there also came from the traditional martial arts background. He was pretty good too in his classes. Um, you know, you th a good uh, a good way to counterbalance your spinning 
back kick is actually spinning the other way with a back fist because you have to turn the other way. Throw something there because if if you miss, especially if you miss, guys are going to try to come in on your weak angle because your rear side is kind of exposed. And you throw that back fist. Sometimes you get that elbow on them too in MMA because they're trying to clinch you. You might just get them with that elbow. Um, but uh, but yeah, Johnny Walker hits a clean one, man. Um, and uh, I, I like Corey Anderson. I'm gonna be rooting for him here. I actually I don't I don't want to say dog or pass because if you're really on the Johnny Walker train, you know minus 155 is not that much of a price of, a, of an admit one price to go to go ride that ride. I don't want to ruin your fun and say dog or pass here. But uh, but for me, it's a dogger pass. Put it that way. And my official pick is Johnny Walker. My heart is with Corey here. I'm really hoping Corey just upsets him. But I think Johnny Walker knocks him out. Next fight, Shane Burgos minus 245. Makwan Amirakani plus 205. I know this guy gets a lot of hate because of his weird shtick, if you want to even call it that. And then he trains with SBG, which is going to catch him hate for whatever, you know, uh, you know. Like, Conor McGregor is like our Trump. It's just a trigger word, right? You just, people just start to, you know, like, <laughs> the stock room, everybody's, uh, you know, reading and talking about themselves. And somebody comes in waving a piece of paper going, bye, bye, bye. Everybody, oh, everybody goes crazy. Like, that is like my bucket list, you know? Like, uh, I think Adam Carolla talks about those movie bucket lists where it's like, I want to I wanna put a knife in my mouth and dive into a body of water, right? I want to... Be able to say, I want to be, be able to have be in a position in life where I have to say no time for backup, right? Like, you know, there's these little, like, bucket lists. Like, one of mine is I want to set off a stock market chaos, you know, and just go and just, like, everybody's just kind of conducting business and just running a false alarm. Like, oh, the Dow, the Dow, bye, 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 bye. Everybody starts going crazy like those 80s movies like you'd see. But uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Jesus, I'm sorry, folks. Um, but, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Trigger words, yeah, trigger words make people go crazy. But I like Makwan, man. I was actually looking for a reason, on, uh, uh, maybe because all the lines are competitive, which they rightfully should, and it's awesome. But maybe because of that, you know, I was looking for a reason on, uh, to see, you know, the, this line looks more suspect than it is, right? Even though it's only a two to one spread. But uh, when the rest of them are ones, you're like, hmm, you know, are, are much closer, almost one to ones or pickums. You're like, oh, what's going on here? Is this is there a reason this is big? Am I missing out on some money or? Are people missing out on our opportunity? But it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like if you're in a room with a bunch of, uh, bunch of fours and fives, or if you're in a room with a bunch of twos and threes, you know, all of a sudden that six starts to look like a nine. <laughs> Damn, that's crude. What about personality? <laughs> uh, that's why I did theater, folks, in high school, the numbers. A lot better numbers there. All right, Dan, this is not what we're getting into. Let's stick to the pot. Let's get this over with, huh? <laughs> we're already running long. Um, but I like Burgos, too. I, I've always liked Burgos, man. He's caught my eye and people I respect, like uh, like Burt Watson. You, you re-rolling, yeah! That's a terrible Burt Watson impression, folks. My voice is not great, and I'm only starting to uh, breathe normally, so forgive me. My impressions are off today. Drink some water here. But even like Burt Watson, I was asking him years ago, not that many years ago, but, you know, a good couple of years ago. Like, hey, man, who's a guy to look out for? And this might have been before Burgos got to the UFC because he was he was citing... Um, it shows you how long Burt's been out of the UFC because Burt worked a show that Shane fought on outside of the UFC and was just like... Even then, Burt's like, yeah, this guy's going to be able to cut... He's going to be able to cut his teeth in the UFC just fine. 
the kid to keep an eye out. And I see why, man. And uh, and Amir Khani, you know, um, I know he's been working a lot on his boxing. Um, I can't even remember how he finished the last fight. God damn it. Uh, I'll go look it up, but I, I think that was another fight where freaking MMA core or whatever, the sites, they let you watch the part one and then not part two. And I'm like, what the fucking crash? You can't look it up. Because Ozdemir Smith or Gustafson Smith or whatever that freaking card he fought on. It only gives you the prelims. And you know what the most effed up thing for like the limited things that will pop up on the barren wasteland that is the search bar for ESPN Plus? If you actually go to type in even verbatim how they have it logged into their own system, coming up into their own search bar, it won't even find it. So essentially, unless somebody can point something out to me, you just have to type in certain keywords and hope it fucking magically pops up because I've had not had any luck with this goddamn search bar there. I I know I know I know I'm, I know I'm outing myself how you know uh, how old and retarded I am when it comes to technology. You just said you weren't gonna say the raw word, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, when it comes to technology, folks. But um, I just remember him getting dropped by two uppercuts and. Uppercuts by Burgos's own admission are his favorite punch, man. And Burgos has really good takedown defense. And guys have tried. Guys have gone like one for twelve and zero and seventeen. Now they have they been as good as wrestlers as Mister Finland? No, that's going to be the test. Uh, he can chain chain to that level, real fast reactionary shot. And if he does, you know this is going to be the fight where we really see Burgos's takedown defense. But I like it. he works with guys who can wrestle and can shoot on him. Um, you know, uh, uh, like the Jimmy Rivera's of the world and other actual wrestlers that he works with. Uh, I can't remember guys that he brought in, but he cited working, you know, they've had wrestlers and jujitsu guys in their camp. They've been sharing a lot of guys. For example, also Julio Arce, who, uh, is a underrated back taker, but a southpaw. So again, a really good training partner. Um, you know. 145 are there to work with, so it's perfect, perfect matchup. I'm going to get into that fight. I don't think that the that that benefit of training camp is going to necessarily work both ways. We'll get into that fight when we get to that fight, but I think it works great for Shane Burgos. And I'm having I I looked for I like Maquan. I look for ways for him to win. And I don't see it because even if he does get Burgos down, I don't think Burgos panics. He doesn't seem the guy that's going to break. He's not the guy that's going to gas. And as he'll be quick to remind you in interviews, like he started with grappling. Like grappling was his first thing. Like he's pulling guard in fights. Um, he can finish off his back off, and he still has those skills. He stopped doing that, of course, in his amateur fights. But then when he got knocked on his ass, what did he do? Goes right to the arm bar. So, you know, I don't see a chin disadvantage there or him being a fish out of the water if he does get put to his back. Um, and Maquan has shown the gas, you know, and in a fight that's going to have pressure, a guy that's going to, at the very least, make him work really hard for those takedowns, at the very least, right? You know, how will his gas tank hold up if Maquan isn't able to just take his back and choke him out? Um, so, yeah, I think it's Shane Burgos gets this one. I don't know if he knocks him out, uh, but I think he gets it uh, by decision. So... Shane Berger, I know he's going to want to make a statement, so maybe he will. Maybe that chin won't hold. And if I'm pointing out the path, I do. Maybe I, maybe I should actually... Wait, I did... Wait, why did I say decision? I played Burgos inside the distance. Yeah, that's why. Duh, Dan. No wonder why. Sorry. No wonder why it wasn't adding up in my head. All the facts that I just laid out. Why would I take it by decision? I played Burgos, folks. <laughs> Let's do 40 inside the distance. 
Um, I only took a quarter unit shot on that at those numbers and as much as he's favored and the analysis matches up. No need to overextend. Just take a friendly shot. We'll see what happens. Although I did throw him in that Kelvin parlay, and I'll give you that third leg uh, that I did, which is uh, it's a dangerous one. It's a, it's a gorgeous George special because that third leg is a plus number next to it. Um, all righty, next fight. Jesus, uh, I'll try to make this fast. This one will go fast. Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian. I don't know why. He's Armenian, Dan. Why do you have to say it like you're fucking from, from, uh, from Pennsylvania? Shabazian. Uh, minus 150 versus Brad Tavares, plus 130. Brad Tavares, I believe, was the favorite. I think he opened as slightly, and then money came in on Shabazian. It's funny. I think it's just like, oh, we're going we're gonna to fade the old guy, fade the old guy. But it's funny because everybody was, like, fading Shabazian before, right? Like, oh, Edmund, another Edmund from Ronda Rousey camp. Remember, again, again, similar to the Trump SBG stuff. Like, Ronda Rousey camp. But uh, I've been a guy, I've been telling you for a minute, dude, this, this kid Edmund can fight and uh, has got a lot of potential. Uh, saying that since Contender Series, and it feels like only now people are starting to actually give him credit. That said, there's bias here, folks. Don't jump off the cliff with me. Um, I'm picking Brad Tavares here. And, of course, I did, I did sprinkle a little bit personally. But I don't even want to say that because I don't want any of y'all jumping off that cliff. This is a super biased pick. Uh, I'm not hating that the money came out on Edmund, but for me, that's still wait and see. You're going to give me plus money and a proven guy who went the distance uh, when he was really injured against Israel Adesanya. I don't know, man. I think uh, he can defend the takedowns and make 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 Shabazian fight and really test uh, test that boxing and striking. And uh, if it does get into a grappling scramble, Tavares isn't bad at those. He, 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 just, he doesn't put himself in position enough, unfortunately, which is really frustrating. He's a fan of his uh, because he actually could do it. You go watch his early to mid-UFC career. Like, he was out scrambling dudes. Um, he's really underrated there. Uh, he just doesn't use it enough. We don't see it in his fights. So, But if Edmund brings that kind of fight to him, we'll, we might be able to get to see it. Uh, plus money, I'm willing to find out. But, yeah, this is on the avoids list because of my bias, folks. Um, don't listen to me, and uh, I just, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Edmund there. All right, Jarcinio, Chizinho. <laughs> Sorry, folks, I'm 12 years old. Uh, Rosenstruck, hey, yes. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Was, yeah, people that don't remember that when he first, I, this was a fight. I, his first fight, I admittedly didn't study. I didn't even see. I didn't even like look at the sure dog picture. <laughs> I was like, Rosenstruck, huh? I'm like, oh, sweet. We got a, a Jewish heavyweight. Fuck yeah. And he shows up. I'm like, whoa, this is not the guy I expected. He's from, dude from Suriname. <laughs> but he's, he's badass, though. Uh, he's training over there at uh, Black Zillions, it looks like. Um, you now he got taken down by Junior Albini, and, and his athleticism more than his technique kind of saved him to get back to his feet. But he was quietly uh, shrimping to half guard and using half guard as a safe position, which I like, and seemed pretty well there quietly, which I liked. That fight was a while ago. He ended up winning and knocking out Albini, getting back to his feet anyways before the round even was up. Didn't. Um, and uh, then he knocks out, in just a record time, um, Alan Crowder. Um, his just technique's really good. You just look at the way he's turning over his punches, and even in his regional fights, he's just has that composure and snap. Um, I love Arlovsky, man. Uh, I picked him against Tai Tuivasa, although that was more because, again, I like Tai Tuivasa, your folks. Don't take it the wrong way, but 
uh, that was one where I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I'm patting my, myself on the back per se, but I was one of the people who told you, I don't think you should, Ty should be favored as much as he's been being favored. Um, and even though Arlovsky didn't get the nod, I think he showed that in that fight, even though people still went and made him the favorite in his next fight, uh, Ty that was. But anyways, uh, yeah, meet us all. But yeah, but the, the, Arlovsky looked really good in his last fight, man. I went back and watched that one, and that was just a really fun watch. Uh, it's Ben, ben Rothwell, two heavyweights I really like. Just a great fight, um, and Ben's durability kept him in it to make it a, a great fight there at the third. Um, and Arlovsky got tired, but he should have got tired. He was outputting like crazy, putting on a show for us. Good for him. I hope it's a new trend for Arlovsky, though. I do kind of wonder if he's going to be a little more conservative because he did gas and almost get knocked out. You know, I didn't mention it with, I got good thing I didn't, it took long enough with that breakdown, but I didn't mention it with the Steven Thompson fight, but this is his first knockout ever. He's never been knocked out in practice or in his karate. Uh, so, you know, how does he come back from that? Is he going to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, is he going to put the volume and counter volume, you know, is he going to, you know, put himself out there uh, as much as he needs to? Um, he did it with Jorge, but he, he he injured himself in that fight doing so, just trying to put that volume out. And now he's coming off a knockout? I don't know about that. And back to this fight, you know, does Orlovsky go back to doing that? I hope so. He's got some underrated takedowns and some trips from the clinch when he wants to go to it. You know, he's training at the camp to do it. It makes sense to do it to Rosenstruck. That's a path to victory. But here's the thing. Even if Orlovsky doesn't get knocked out, looks great, and gets a takedown, even going into Arlovsky's prime, when has he ever really finished guys on the ground? When has he ever been really a submission ace, per se? When has he, you know, those days are long gone. His little Sambo like leg locks and stuff, like, and those were very few and far between to begin with. And even minus that, just control wrestling. He did stifles and stymies all fucking day, whether he's on his back or in the clinch. But when has he ever used grappling or to win in any sort? To win. I can't think of anything. I didn't see anything. And I can go look at his record again. It's been a day or two since I've studied this fight. But, yeah. Like, you know, so I does he just do it all of a sudden now? At, at You know, the ripe at, at, at Does he hit his... Are we going to see the Arlovsky 17th resurgence? You know? I don't know. I'm going to be rooting for Arlovsky. I may even sprinkle on him, depending on how, how uh, some earlier plays go. But the pick here is Jarzinho Rosenstruck to knock him out. All right, Caitlin Chukagian, minus 155. Jennifer Maya, plus 135. I did no tape study on this. So in the interest of honesty and time, I'm going to skip analysis on this. Um, I'm going to take Chukagian. Hopefully Maya can make weight. It's been a problem for her. It looks like she's one of those fighters where everything's got to go perfect for it. Chukagian's in her backyard. I'll go with uh, Chuk's air volume. All right. Lyman. Good. Minus 120. Chance. Rencounter. Encounter. Plus 100. Yeah, man. Slept on Chance. But I don't know. Lyman, I feel like I've had a pretty decent read on Lyman. You know, uh, I, 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 I think I've picked all his fights correctly so far in the UFC. Whether I picked him or picked against him. It's interesting, man. He, by the way, if you go to Lavin Good's Instagram, he's on his way slowly to becoming the Punisher. Like, it's just like him, his truck, 
his dog. And hey, man, I dig it. I, I got a, I got a, you know, maybe not the toughest looking dog. Well, he's a pit bull. But it's funny, like, everything's color coordinated. He's got like a black Rottweiler, like a black truck, just like a black leather jacket, black guns, black carrying case. And like, that's all it is. It's like model pictures of his muscles and like black dangerous things. That sounded, that, that's bad phrasing, wasn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But like, it's just crazy. Like, and like, he'll post like, Pictures like the Punisher, like I'm like, oh, this guy's like becoming his own superhero. Hey man, he looks like a fucking superhero. Live your life, slay it, Lyman. You a stud, son. I ain't hating. I'm just saying, it's just it's kind of funny when I go through these fighters' Instagrams. You get to learn a bit about him. Uh, um, uh, Chance Ren counters at Alliance. He's second or third camp, which is a good sign. He's past his adjustment appearance, a period, and you look good in it. He wasn't there when he got his first loss. I want to say that was on short notice against a really tough fighter against Bilal Muhammad. Underrated fighter as well. Um, but I like transfer encounter. Money's come in on him, but not a lot. I'm surprised he's still plus money. Um, uh, I took him when he was at plus, I want to say plus 120. Did I get him there? No, 110. Uh, plus 110 I got him, but he's a plus 100. Um... I, I, I like it here, you know. He's just that durable softball who can wrestle. It's my favorite underdog arc archetype. You know, he puts out that trash volume that'll piss guys off and score with judges, and then he gets his takedown and his grind game on. And if you go back from Ask, you know, Askren to Ahan, Judo, uh, the guys with any kind of strong grappling, essentially, are the guys who beat uh, Lyman Good. And he really hasn't faced many of them, which is why he's got... I don't, I don't want to say his why he's got a good. He's got a good record because he's a good martial artist and a good fighter. I'm not trying to disrespect him here, but it's kind of why there's just strong, win, a lot of winning streaks. But but why the losses, at least I think, should be easier to tie a common thread to, which is grappling. So you're gonna give me plus money and a durable southpaw who can grapple, a guy who looks like he looks like Darren Elkins and might be on Team Spectrum with a retard shirt. You dare stop saying that? Stop saying that. You wonder why you don't got a sponsor on this show? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a chance run counter. I actually played chance here. This is the one. This is the one straight play that I actually have confidence giving you guys. Um, and that's that's still attainable number. Chance run counter one unit plus one ten. He's now plus one hundred. All right. Uh, next fight. Oh, by the way, Chukagian Maya is on the avoid list, and so is Arlovsky Rosenstruck. Heavyweights and uh, female flyweight fights. No disrespect to both, but. From a betting perspective, you, you can read between the lines what I'm saying there. All right. Um, last fight. This is a fight I really... That's why this was later, too. I really wanted to get... I really wanted to look into this fight. And I really wanted... I, I know I shouldn't. I don't do this. You shouldn't do this. Uh, this rarely happens to me. But if I'm being honest and critical on myself and my process, which I, I'm always trying to do, um, I caught myself here favoring and wanting myself to find reasons for a guy to win heading into this fight. And that's Julio Arce. I'm a big fan of this southpaw from Tiger Showman's. Seems like such a fucking nice guy. And like a real parry, like opposite. Just super nice, humble, whereas like mean Hakeem, like we get it, dude. Like me, Hakeem, me, me. Like, you know, you know, me face all time. Like, you don't get it. I don't think. I don't think I'm being clear enough. Like, no, you're being very clear. Let me tattoo it on my chest, okay? You don't need to do that, but all right. Mean, okay, we get it. 
I'm not trying to hate, you know. Maybe Dan Tom with me and my fat fucking face, you know. You get, you burn more calories if you frown. Maybe I should take the mean Hakeem route. So, yeah, I'll take the shit of piss out of myself, too. But, yeah, I just... And, again, you can't hold it against a fighter. Fighters should be confident, and it works for Hakeem. He's got a mean style. I'm picking him here, folks, and I'm going to get to why. There's a lot to like. I'm not trying to pick on or disrespect the guy. You shouldn't, you know... You shouldn't condemn a fighter for how they act, good or bad, after a fight. But if you're clever to share and you go check on your opponent and you just show you're just a fucking quality human, I am going to fucking love you. I will say that. I'm not letting it affect me here. Again, I'm picking DeWaldo against one of my favorite fighters. But man, just like... Like, you're getting mad because a Japanese dude that you were, like, 4-1 to favorite, like, knocked you down a bunch of times in the first round. And I think that really pissed him off. Because he just, he, uh, you know, you go back and some of these replays are are great because you get to see all the negative. They haven't edited out the dead space yet, so you can watch all the whole time through. And not once does he, like, go over, check, nod, shake, give a what's up, a fist bump, nothing. And then in the post-fight, he's all talking shit. Yeah, he was running. Hit him because he was running. And, like, it didn't look good, and Hoye, Hoye has a w- weird style, and, you know, it was it, looked, it was a bad bet and pick for me in retrospect. But at the same time, Hoye didn't make me look completely crazy because you can say, oh, say, oh, he, oh, he didn't, oh he, didn't, he didn't get knocked, which he didn't, but he landed clean strikes at score to the leg and to the head, both of which knocked him down, even though it was more of Hakeem being off balance, yes, but still, this was still, still you know... Still looks good, you know, and then he, he, he tossed him in the clinch for the other time that he sent uh, Hakeem to his butt in the first round. So I think that just kind of pissed Hakeem off because, like, you know, you're supposed to dominate the, the, the weekly Asian guy, right? Uh, uh, unassuming is what – that's what we get, you know. <laughs> Asian guys get unassuming like, if, like if we're good, like in the Korea, like the super boys of the world. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get too off course there or, or make assumptions about, about his character. But uh, not the most likable guy. Anyways, uh, but I'm picking him here. He's a really good fighter. Um, one of Canada's finest right now. Um, and I agree with the line him being favored but not being favored too much. Essentially, even though Horier, to his credit, did well in that first round, you got it. You, you know, and I even was tweeting live, man. I was super impressed. Um, the quiet body work and leg work, not the leg work actually so much, uh, which is also why I picked him here. Um, the quiet, I'm a big fan of body work and clinch work. And Hakeem Dewan's clinch and body work look nasty. And if you look at it, that's where guys have been able to beat or at least do damage, if not beat outright, Julio Arce. Uh, granted, it was just a grazing elbow, and those are the ones that do the, the cuts. And unfortunately, you know, that was splurting all over the place. But even though it was a closer fight than the blood or uh, might let, let on, I don't think it maybe should have been a split decision, but it definitely was a closer fight. I still, again, would have scored it anyways, even without the blood, for Shaman. Come on, Shaman. For Shaman Marais, just on the knockdowns and the power shots alone. Again, Shaman was also a Muay Thai striker, so a very good sample size. The point was, Shaman was able to win out the exchanges, whether he was able to cut him with cheeky elbows or not. Um, and then even like going back like to the Contender Series against a guy like Peter Pettis, right? He was like 7-6 and six now since that fight right now. Like he, He's able to beat Julio Arce in the first round and, and win and, and control a lot of the clinch exchanges. So I didn't like that. And I was also, another reason why I picked 
Duodu is because of the leg kicks, because even though he's got good ones, Duodu's not dependent on him. Like we saw in the Hoye fight, Hoye was orthodox stance and he didn't go to him a lot. Granted, it was because Hoye was going in and out, but it showed that he didn't need to and he can make adjustments. And that was one of the things I was looking at. I'm like, oh, he's not going to, Duodu's not going to have his leg kicks. He's going to have his southpaw to go against. Who's, and Arce is really hard to leg kick as well, anyways. So I don't even think Duodu's going to need him. I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor whether Duodu wins or doesn't win. Um, but that was a reason why I, I picked Duodu here. Uh, I really hope Julio Arce can get his trifecta. I'm going to root for him. I will probably maybe do a personal sprinkle just because I like Arce a lot. And uh, if he wins, I would love to be on that side of it, let's just say. But from an analyst being critical and being honest here, man, um, I agree with Duodu being the favorite. Uh, so the pick is Duodu. All right, folks, that was a long one, but we're going to recap it from top to bottom here. All right, uh, taking Jorge Masvidal over Nate Diaz, taking Kelvin Gastelum over Buch Darantil. Remember, take a shot every time he says Buch. Taking Vincente Luque over Stephen Thompson, traitor. Taking Blagoy, I like boy, even off over... Derek, it's a juggernaut bit. Yeah, No, it's not, Dan. Oh, <laughs> Derek, take over Derek Lewis. Sorry, I was referencing the terrible, uh, the terrible, uh, that, that juggernaut overdub cartoon, because that's who I see Derek Lewis as. Yeah, baby. Uh, taking Gregory Gillespie over Kevin Lee. Traitor! Get that guy out of here. Taking Johnny Walker over Corey Anderson. Taking Shane Burgos over Makwan Amirkhani. Taking Brad Tavares over Edmund Shabazian. Taking Charsinho Rosenstrach over Andre Arlovsky. Horlovsky. Taking Caitlin Chukagian over Jennifer Maya. Taking Chance Rachantil over Lyman. Good. And again. Taking. Hakeem Dewodu over Julio Arce. Did a fun little parlay of Kelvin Burgos' chance for encounter. Oh, yeah, chance for encounter was the third leg, by the way, for fun there. Um, I just put a little bit on that because it pays, pays a decent amount. Uh, the only prop I took was Burgos inside the distance, quarter unit at plus 240. The only straight play I'm willing to confidently give you was chance for encounter, plus 110, now plus 100. I got it at one unit. Uh Biasly sprinkled on Brad, and I sprinkled on Luke K, who's no longer a dog, and I shamefully did so. Other than that, no plays. Avoid lists. Maya Chukagian, Arlovsky, Rosenstruck, Tavares, Shabazian. Please, folks, um, I know iTunes Music or Apple Music still change. You can still give positive ratings and reviews. I'm sure it still helps the algorithm. So if you are an iTunes user, please do that. I will be on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all those things soon. Dang, I've been saying that for 10 years. Get that guy out of here! Uh, I will be on that and I will ask for your ratings as well those are the biggest things you can do next to telling a friend sharing the podcast giving it a shout out whether it's on Twitter Facebook whatever I'll share it if I can if you tag me in the podcast that's the best thing you can do I'm so grateful but you can also you know click through the on it uh, click throughs at mixedmarshallanalyst.com um, and if you're feeling extra generous you hit a big big tail you want to you, you want to you want to tip your analysis dude uh, there's a pay- PayPal there either, but you don't have to do any of that. Honestly, guys, just like days like this where like I'm fucking stuck in an emergency room and I'm getting nice tweets from y'all, like 
that was uh that's the best I could ask for. I don't deserve it. Y'all are fucking awesome. I hope you guys have an awesome BMF fight week. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your name.